It is Fan Mail Friday, and today we are going to be ranking the biggest additions of the 2022 offseason. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons. We're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen today. And as always, to never miss the show, subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. But glad to be getting back to Fan Friday and you know, glad that you guys brought the great questions for us today, including the start of it, which is how would we rank the biggest additions for the Chargers offseason? Is it Khalil Mack or is it JC Jackson? That's number one. And we're also going to get into Sebastian Joseph Day and Gerald Everett. We're also going to get into if this is the best Chargers defense on paper that we've seen in 20 years and then try to see if there's any way to spin Tyreek Hill leaving the AFC West as a good thing for the Kansas City Chiefs and the biggest lessons to any new Chargers fans out there on what to expect from a team that's going to break your heart every once in a while. But we do have a voicemail here. And if you guys want to get onto the voicemails, you can call into 323-524-7924. We're trying to get as many on as possible. But we're starting here with Super Fan Zach that brought the question of the day to us. Hey, guys. Zach from Florida here. So this is meant to be a good question. But of the four big pickups so far this offseason, how would you rank them in terms of the impact you think they're going to have on this team next season? That being Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, J.C. Jackson, and Gerald Everett. would love to hear your answers and go Bulls. Great question, and I think you probably picked maybe the four most impactful. I guess you there's some arguments at the end there, you know, Austin Johnson and maybe one of those guys. But I want to start with number one, obviously, David. Who do you think is the most important offseason addition so far by the Chargers? Yeah, honestly, for me, this one wasn't very difficult. Um, I really put all of my chips on to Khalil Mack right away. I mean, and it's just because of everything this does for everyone around him, especially Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa was getting absolutely abused last year. They they did everything they could to get in front of him and get in his way and agitate him and do it, just anything to prevent him from getting after the quarterback. Now they're not going to be able to do that anymore. Now they're going to have another monster on the other side that they're going to have to worry about. Not only a monster that can get after the quarterback, but a guy that can stop the run consistently and has done it at a high level every single year he's been in his every single year of his career. And also this is going to help the guys on the back end because they're not going to have to cover as long. So when you have a pass rusher that goes out there and dominates, I think that's of paramount importance. And that's why Khalil Mack to me is number one. And I think that's the easy call on that one because, I mean, the dude made all pro at two positions in the same season. So, like, the dude is on a different level. He's a defensive player of the year, right? He's done that. He's been an all pro multiple times. 
best player that Joey Bosa has ever played with on the defensive line. And he does help the secondary. He helps the guys in the interior. And he also helps Joey Bosa a lot as well. But the other thing is, too, is him as a run defender, right? Him being able to impact the game in that way, I do think is super important. I think where J.C. Jackson falls into this, who's obviously the number two here, David, I think he does more for Brandon Staley as far as coverage systems and how he wants to match on the opposite side of wherever J.C. Jackson is. First of all, you get that guy who's the eraser outside. You try to put on the other team's best player, and he can shadow cover that guy the entire game. Right? He can follow the best receivers around, and that also helps the other guys on the other side. Hey, now those guys get help where they might not have before. You could only give help to so many people in the past, right? And I do think that with J.C. Jackson, you're also getting him in his prime, right? The Absolutely. prime of his career. And he also impacts the game as far as turning the ball over, which is also so important. So I do think Khalil Mack is the easy number one option here, David. But maybe it's not as far behind for J.C. Jackson as some would think, just because I do think he does a lot for Staley and as far as turning the ball over. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I mean, you look at that 2020 defense from the Rams, they had a true number one corner in Jalen Ramsey. And you you saw Brandon Staley really move him around close to the football, try to get him in situations where he can pick the ball off and he can really change the game for you. And I think you're going to see that um, a lot here with J.C. Jackson, too. But it's also just going to be such a nice luxury to have a guy that you can trust to go out there and try to take away someone's number one option. So this frees up Derwin James, too, to let him yeah. maybe play a little bit more safety and not have to be moved around so many different places. And, hey, he can do that. Derwin James is an animal, right, anywhere you put him on the football field. But even Brandon Staley said it. It's like, hey, if we were really just having Derwin James play free safety or play strong safety, he would be the best safety in the league, bar none. But what was best for the Chargers was to move Derwin James all over the formation. Adding a guy like J.C. Jackson is going to allow Derwin James to be a better football player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't have to put Derwin certain places. You get to choose right. to put him certain places, which I think is the key distinction there because you still want to see him move around and do all those oh, yeah. things that make him special, but you don't have to have him there because you just need it. I do yeah. think, though, when you look at J.C. Jackson, the other important thing to remember is in that year with the Rams, you also had Darius Williams and Troy Hill both have the best seasons that they've ever had in their professional yeah. careers. So that's what good news for the other two guys out there, Michael Davis and DeSante Samuel Jr. But who are you going with at number three, Dave, when you're picking between SJD and Gerald Everett? Yeah, another no-brainer decision yeah. here. The Chargers' run defense was god-awful, and it was a clear kryptonite the entire season. Brandon Staley could not institute the type of defense that he wanted to because he could not stop the run. He brought in a guy that he knows is going to come in and stop the run because he did it with him, and he's done it consistently his entire career. Sebastian Joseph Day is a critical piece, such an important part of this offseason picture, and you have to be elated that you get a guy that is going to come in and stop the run, already knows this defense, and is going to be able to communicate and help the other people that he's going to be playing next to on that defensive line excel and go out there and do something the Chargers could not do at all last year, and that is stop the run. Absolutely, and it just felt like when they got Sebastian Joseph Day, it made you feel so much better about the J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack move just because it's like, okay, well, you weren't just stopping there. You're still going to attack the root of one of the biggest problems for you as a team last season and maybe the biggest problem they had as a team 
last season and getting Sebastian Joseph Day, the guy who's led the NFL in run stop percentage the last two seasons, you're attacking that directly and you're getting a really young player who is up and coming too. And I think there's still a lot he can still gain in his game and coming back to Brand Staley is going to help that. But I don't want that to underrate the impact that Gerald Everett could have as well, because he is one of the more athletic tight ends, more well-rounded tight ends that they've had in a while, more athletic than a guy like Hunter Henry, right? but more after the catch ability than someone like Jared Cook. So I think he does bring something special to the table. Like Donald Parham is a freak athlete for his size, right? But he doesn't have that full, you know, he's not a proven receiving commodity. He doesn't have the route finesse that a guy like Gerald Everett has. And Gerald Everett just brings a certain kind of physicality that I think, even though he's fourth on this list, could still be a big addition. Yeah, I mean, what he does as a blocker, I mean, he's a tenacious blocker. He, I mean, he he brings that same mentality when he has the football in his hands out in the open space where he's trying to run you over and, do you know, use his little wiggle. I mean, he's deceptively, you know, quick and agile for, you know, a man of his size. And, you know, you don't really see a lot of that at tight end. So it's going to bring that yards after catch dynamic to this offense that was sorely lacking. And also this allows Donald Parham Jr. not have to, to worry about being the number one guy and he can still continue to develop his game until he's ready to step up and be a number one tight end in this league. Because I totally believe he has all of the characteristics and the tools to excel in the NFL. He does. And he's kind of one of those guys where you're wondering why he never broke out while still being way more productive than someone like David Njoku, who was like all projection. Everything is based on a projection of him being a lot better than he had been. Gerald Everett's been good. It's just can he take his game to the next level with the Justin Herbert effect? But we do have to get into the next segment talking about this Chargers defense on paper, if it's maybe the best one we've seen in 20 years and how much having a Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa bookend pass rushing duo is going to help someone like Jerry Tillery. But to think this is the best in 20 years, madness to me, in my opinion. But speaking of which, the biggest college basketball tournament is here, and the only place you should be betting on it is with betonline.net because it has the best tournaments and crazy prizes and things like that going on all the time. And it's your number one place for all college and professional hoops action. But right now, guys, I mean, there's games coming on tonight. You're going to want to get in on the action now because this is the funnest couple of weekends to bet on sports, in my opinion, of the entire year. There's just nothing quite like an elimination one-game tournament where you have so much stakes on every game, right? So make sure you guys get in on the action, but it's not just college basketball, right? It's not just professionals basketball. You can also get in on MLB, which is coming back and is now back at least in spring training, UFC, boxing, even your favorite Vegas casino games you can hit up because Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, David. Well, we do have more great voicemails to get into, and you guys really came through with the questions on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. We appreciate you. The voicemail is at 323-524-7924. And we have more great questions to get into, David, here, and we want to start with another question, this time from Twitter. This one is from Dylan Kirkpatrick, who asks, one more question. Do you think this is the best defense we've had on paper in the last 20 years? Well, 20 years is a long time. That's taking us back to, you know, 2002. And there was a couple of really, really good Chargers defenses in there. And David, to me, I think it's blasphemy just because if if I'm talking about the best defenses I've seen, maybe it's just because I was a kid, such a big fan at that time. But the 2006 Chargers defense is the one that I think even on paper looks better than this one. The Chargers have more stars now than they have them. But that defense was just loaded with really good players that so many different positions so I think to me that's the only thing holding me back from maybe potentially thinking about this defense as being the best defense in 20 years on paper 
Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I mean, that 0-16 was just ridiculous on both sides of the ball. But on defense, you look at every single level, right. there was stars, and they were guys that exceeded expectations and played extremely well at every single level. You had crazy linebackers, guys that could stop the run, guys that can get after the passer. You had corners that were just rock solid. You had safeties that took the ball away. They were, you know, they were a great defense. I think the Chargers, this Chargers defense has a lot of potential and it's going to be a, a, a different kind of movie here. But I, I just don't think they're quite there as on, on par with one of the top defenses in the last 20 years. Well, and I mean, let's talk about who they were, right? I mean, this yeah. is the Sean Merriman team, right? And his running mate was Sean Phillips, one of the other, you know, top sack artists in Chargers franchise history quietly. Then you had Jamal Williams on the inside, a stone wall that was not going to let you run. You shall not pass. And then he's even surrounded by guys like Luis Castillo, who was a really good pass rusher. He'd be the best interior pass rushing lineman on this team easily even an Igor Olshansky right was better depth oh, man. and a guy that get on the field and be tough and then you talk about Antonio Cromartie I mean in his takeaway ability Quentin Jammer yeah. the best name for a cornerback of all time yes. in my opinion but also just such a rock solid player a good tackler good in coverage his and you look at the career. linebackers right I mean look at the charge linebacking situation you replace those guys with the Stephen Cooper and a Donnie Edwards we're having an entirely different discussion about this Chargers defense. So I think there's just too many places where you can look and say, hey, those guys are upgrades over who the Chargers have right now. Right now, I love J.C. Jackson, but, I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. is still unproven. Michael Davis, we're still trying to figure out how good he is, and especially in this fit with this new defense. You replace out Quentin Jammer and Antonio Cromartie, right? And then you have the edge rushers. Even I mean, Sean Merriman's still probably the best at his peak edge rusher in Chargers history. At his peak, when he was really just tearing up the league. Joey Bosa and him probably neck and neck, if you're talking about in the last 20 years, obviously. I think the edge rushers now are still better, right? You have a yeah. defensive player of the year in Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. So they definitely have the edge there. And I think it's just, David, how many really good players do we know are on this Chargers defense right now? Because, I mean, we know the star power on this defense is the best it's been, I think, in 20 years. When you just oh, talk yeah. about these guys' accolades, you have an all-pro outside last season in J.C. Jackson. Mm -hmm. You have an all-pro in Joey Bosa-level player, Cleo Mack, a defensive player of the year, Derwin James, a multiple-time all-pro player. He should have been because he should have mm -hmm. made it last he got year. got snubbed. Yeah. He got snubbed, absolutely. But he made it as a rookie in all-pro. So, like, four all-pros yeah. is ridiculous. Yes, but at the same time, it's just how many players do we know are really good outside of those guys? I'd say Sebastian Joseph Day probably fits in the very good category. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that's definitely the question there. I mean, there's not a lot of players outside of that. And that's always been the big issue the last couple of years has been the depth of this team. I think that team that we're talking about in 06, 07, in that range, there was tons of depth. And there are players that were coming and getting circled in that were still good football players and really like uh, excelled. I don't know if we can confidently say that here. I mean, if you go to a third, fourth, if you go to a fourth corner here, I mean, you're looking at Devon Campbell and I mean, he, he's, he was decent, but I mean, he's not you know, on par with some of those other guys. Man. I'm not so even talking the about depth. the the depth guys, though. Like, I mean, those yeah. teams had crazy depth because you had like a guy like Matt Wilhelm, special teams yeah. ace, and also backup linebacker, and you had Ryan Binghams and guys like that on the defensive line. Like, they had yeah. depth, but like, 
really good players starting for the Chargers. Like, I think Asante Samuel Jr. can be, but I think it's too yeah. soon to say. It's hard yeah. for me to say after last season that Michael Davis is a really good player. I thought yeah. Nazir Adderley had a really good season as far as, you know, getting better. I don't know if you would classify him as a really good NFL player at this point. Like, a if far he completed above more of those starter. interceptions, man, like you could put Maybe. him in that situation. Like, he was Maybe. in position and he played a lot more physical than any other year in his career but he's got to finish those plays that's the next evolution for Nas. right and then i mean you go to kenneth i don't think kenneth murray's a really good player i don't know yeah. like drew tranquil is like a i think a good nfl starting caliber linebacker right yeah. but like so that's five really good players and then six guys after that where you're like i don't really know at this point so i think that's what separates that 2016 because it's like i know yeah. those dudes were good players Definitely. i know you had two really good corners two really good edge rushers, two really good linebackers, and even the safeties, even if they played average, I mean, it was more yeah. than enough. But, but you know, in that season, that was the 14-2 and two season as well. But Eric Church has another question from Twitter that I think goes really nicely along with this, and he asks, hey, guys, question, do you believe Tillery will play better with the additions of Mac, Joseph Day, and Johnson? So unequivocally, yes, that's the yeah. answer to that. Yes. And I think the other thing that part of this is like, hopefully being in there on more situations that let him not have to think as much and only rush the passer because having him out there on early downs, they did it last year, even when they knew he wasn't their best run defender. And even when they had better guys, even like a Braden Fehoko on the bench at times. Right. So I think it's just getting in him, him in, in more situations and he will get a lot of single teams, but he's had a lot of single teams in pass rushes. Right. I mean, guys, yeah. he had single team coverage where guys were one-on-one -on -one blocking him. And he didn't come through enough of the time. But I do think he still can have a really successful season, especially with those two dudes on the outside. Absolutely. He's going to have the best year of his career because he's not going to be on the field as much this season because there are better interior defensive linemen at stopping the run. And so he's going to be able to be that situational interior pass rusher, which is really the role he is meant to do. He's, a very, he's very inconsistent as a run stopper. That's why you can't really rely on him to be able to do that consistently. But what we did see is he can get after the passer and you moved him around and he did that at a pretty decent level, allowing him to rush on the inside when the situation is set up for him to succeed. Absolutely. He's going to have the best year of his career. I 100% agree. And I, I mean, and the bar is set pretty low. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. But I do think he obviously had his best pass rushing season last year, even though it wasn't consistent enough, even though he's not, you know, entering the pantheons of the best, you know, interior rushers in the league. He was still fine in that yeah. regard, right? I mean, had one of the better, you know, sack numbers for a defensive tackle for the Chargers in a while. And I do think that, I mean, just having those dudes on the outside, especially on plays when they are trying to run the ball at him, it's going to be harder to single him out because yeah. you have better dudes around him. Like, I like what Ochino Uosu was able to do last year, but those dudes don't hold the candle to what Khalil Mack is going to bring as far as being a physical edge setter. That dude eats yeah. up blocks for breakfast, sheds them, and makes tackles for loss. It's just what he does, and they didn't have that guy before. So I think it's like, hey, you can run it, Jerry Tillery, you know, but there's also going to be a Khalil Mack roaming in that same kind of area, so be careful. Exactly. You know, so I think it's going to be harder for teams to single him out, which is obviously going to help them. But speaking of, you know, the NFL and the newest news, we did talk yesterday about Tyreek Hill and him getting out of the division and I guess there's people out there that are trying to paint that in a positive manner for the Chiefs. Can the Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill 
and get better and be in a better situation. And also we have to get into, David, what new Chargers fans need to know for those who are jumping on now at a very exciting time in franchise history. So we'll go over the rules there. But I've had so many rules as far as what I can eat since I've been dieting for my wedding coming up in July. And the thing that has helped me out the most are built Bars because built Bars are the cheap meal that's not a cheap meal. You get something that's guilt-free that tastes great. That's what I love about built Bars, the best tasting protein bars in the world. And it starts with the flavors. So many great flavors to choose from. Right now, you can go get my favorites, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. How does that not taste good? They're all 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. There's nothing worse than getting a protein bar that's waxy or chalky or tastes like a chemical spill. Get something that tastes great that also fits on your diet. Most bars have 17 grams of protein. That's a lot. While having less than four grams of net carbs and four grams of net sugars. That's You're not getting that often. You're not finding that unicorn, something that tastes great, while also fits on your diet and also can keep you away from eating those candy bars. Instead of a candy bar, have a built bar. You'll get that great flavor that you're craving while also staying good and being, you know, staying with those New Year's resolutions still if anyone is still on those at this point in March. But I love built bars. Now you can go built puffs as well, which are just a great addition to the built family. And right now they have a fudge or a brownie batter built puff bar to go along with, you know, a lemon dip cheesecake and also cinnamon churro. So many great flavors with the puffs and the first ever protein infused protein or marshmallow in a protein bar and you guys can even save some money since you listen to the show go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 to save 15 percent off your order it's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right david well we do have more fan mail things to get into and we appreciate everyone who reached out to get on today's show and we have another really good voicemail here well put together by andretti another time caller a guy who's called in before has another good question for us this week my name is Andretti. Um, I've called in before, but I'm happy to call in again. The craziest news with Tyree Kill actually leaving the AFC West. I just want to know your thoughts on people trying to damage this as a good thing. Um, guys like Nick Wright are trying to spin this as, well, it's good because we can actually save money and just draft their wide receiver one. The problem with that is they're picking 29 and 30 now, I believe, and there's not going to be a top weapon there. None of them, to me, are going to ever be Tyree Kill. I mean, this dude is special. He was not just one of the fastest in the game, but he was shifty. He could beat any type of coverage, take the top off a of defense. I mean, he was ridiculous, and him and Mahomes together, they were wreaking havoc everywhere. It's not a great move for the Chiefs. They gave up one of their best weapons, a core identity piece to their team. Boy, the gap between the Chargers and the rest of the AFC West to the Chiefs just closed so much. And that was the whole point of yesterday's show, right? Just talking about how close this AFC West looks now because before it did seem like it was a foregone conclusion that Kansas City would be the favorite until somebody knocked them off. But at the same time, David, I don't know if there is a positive way to spin this. Like, I think... If you wanted to play devil's advocate, you say, hey, you know, we weren't going to be able to pay him $30 million. We got something instead of nothing. That I understand. But losing one season even of having that combination of Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill when you've gone to the AFC Championship game four game or four seasons in a row seems pretty detrimental. And that's kind of the whole point we had is like, yeah, they signed MVS from the Green Bay Packers. Marquez Valdez Scantling. That is a good speed option for them, right? And they do get yeah. some of that speed back. But the difference is with him, you're not afraid of him catching a three-yard pass and just torching your entire defense for a touchdown because he doesn't have that kind of, you know, side-to-side -side lateral movement that someone like Tyreek Hill has. Like, I mean, I just remember him catching those balls in the flat and he'd just pause, right? Because he could start and stop so quick. He would stop, 
survey his options, take off, and you're like, I hope someone and you he's know, lays still a faster finger than everyone team. around. Yeah, him. like even like he had like I think 13 missed tackles for us last year, but like I think that's only including the people that touched him. You know what I mean? Because a lot of dudes weren't even touching him. So yeah. I don't know if there's any way to spin that into a good thing for the Chiefs. No way. There's no way. Yeah, you're getting draft picks out of it, but that's a gamble. That's a crapshoot. You have no idea what those players are going to turn into in the NFL if they're yeah. even going to be successful at all. You know exactly what Tyreek Hill brings to the table. Super He's sure. one of the most dynamic football players in the NFL, period. There's no one else that does what he has done and has done it at such a high level. There's no way. I mean, there's no way to spin this to where it is a good thing for the Chiefs. Goodbye, good riddance. Thank you, God. Don't have to play you twice a year anymore. See you later. Have fun in South Beach. Yeah, and I had put a tweet out that was just like, it's crazy that Tyreek Hill only had 200-yard games. He had three times as many games against the Chargers in his time with the Chiefs, but he had three times as many games where he had 61 yards or less, right? So, like, that was a surprising stat. But what that dude does and, like, how much – you know, the Chargers defense had to sacrifice at times to put the roof over the defense, right? Or to get protection on the back end. Brian Staley talks about that a lot, just like, you know, putting a roof on it. It just did so much for them underneath, too. And they just, you know, dink and dunk the Chargers to death at times, especially having someone like Tyreek Hill who can catch that two yard pass. And it's hard to stop him from getting a first down, even with such a simple play. But we do have a great tweet question from us here, David, from Eli Price, a new Chargers fan who says, new Chargers fan here. Made the decision to leave behind the Falcons last week. I'm guessing that's, uh, you know, in regards to them being after a certain quarterback. And he says, what's one thing about the team or being a Bolts fan that I have to know? Well, let me tell you this. You came in at a very exciting time to be a Chargers fan, right? Where yeah. there seems like actual hope. But you'd be, you know, deceived there because there's always hope. The, the Chargers are always the dark horse team. They're always the team that's going to get the preseason hype. And you'll come to hate that as you become a Chargers fan and get more ingrained in it, because it seems like they always have a letdown, right? But you you had the 28-3 game. Not trying to rip, you know, rip that Band-Aid off again, but you had the Patriots-Falcons 28-3 game, so maybe you are uniquely qualified. David, what does Eli Price need to know? Well, you need to understand, you know, the history of the Chargers and, and, and know that we've never won a championship. And the, that's one of the biggest things that has haunted this team. So you got to you got to know that first and foremost. They've but, never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah they've never won a Super Bowl. And yeah, that's one of the big things you got to know. But also you got to know that you got to be tough. <laughs> I mean, you got to be very, very tough because this team is going to make you very, very emotional, very angry, very mad, very happy extremely sad and they're going to rip your heart out. I mean, it's only inevitable. That's going to happen. But also you're coming into this one of the most exciting times. Honestly, I think this is probably one of this. This is the most exciting year of Chargers football in the last 20 years. I think since, Ooh. well, I'll say last 15 years, since the 2006, 2007 season, I think this is the most hype, the most excitement, one of the best potential teams of the last 15 years the chargers have a legitimate shot at winning the afc west and going far in the playoffs so you have showed up at a great time to be a charger fan yeah i mean the chargers have as much star power as i can remember i mean that's that's the best way i can put it right now but i think when you're a chargers fan too it's one of those things like where even in the games they win you're gonna feel it right like you're gonna <laughs> yeah. feel like they're gonna blow it even when they don't Right. And I think that's an important part of being a Chargers fan is also just, you know, 
safeguard your house, you know, get child <laughs> locks on things, you know, get little bumpers to, to stop you from putting holes in walls and, and all the things that you have to have when you're trying to equip yourself but for you're also, the, the heartbreak you're going to have. Yes. You're definitely going to deal with heartbreak, unfortunately, but you're also going to get to enjoy Brandon Staley, you know, a head coach sure. that is aggressive and fearless and is a very, very much a player's coach. And you get to enjoy one of the most electric, exciting young football players in the NFL. And of course we're talking about Justin Herbert. Yeah. And I mean, I understand, you know, leaving the Falcons fan base, but you're also going to a team that hasn't had a player get arrested in five years. So maybe you won't have to jump teams again quickly. Like you just had to, but I would say David, the other thing about the chargers this year specifically is like before with Philip Rivers, you knew you were going into every season with one of the best quarterbacks, right? The guy who was going to perpetually be in the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. And I think he was that for pretty much his entire career. Yes. Now you have a dude that you feel like at his peak is the best quarterback in the league. Like has moments where he looks like the best quarterback in the league, an MVP level player. There weren't a lot of full seasons you felt like Phillip Rivers was close to winning an MVP. He'd have some hot stretches. You could maybe start the conversation. Mm -hmm. This dude has MVP talent, best quarterback in the world type of talent with dudes like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen roaming the same earth. So when you have someone that's that good, who can elevate players around him that well and is just still figuring things out going into his third season, there's every reason to be excited. And it pays off when the Chargers win. You feel it so much more. It seems like it means so much more because you're almost expecting it to never happen. And when you have somebody like Justin Herbert, the guys who Chargers have around him right now, one of the most exciting times I can remember being a Chargers fan and following the Chargers pretty much my entire life. But we do have a couple more tweets to get in here, too. We wanted to get to Ryan Johnson on Twitter, who says, seeing a lot of mock drafts aligning us with taking Trevor Penning, would you rather draft him or trade back and pick up a second? We have a Normark YouTube comment question here who says a fan mail Friday question whenever NFL free agency news permits. I think the Chargers should draft a wide receiver in round one unless an elite cornerback or offensive tackle slides to 17. What are your thoughts on the draft strategy at this point in free agency? So I think these kind of go in line because I think if there is a tackle there, Trevor Penning's probably the one most likely to land there at 17. So, David, what would be your strategy if you get there and Trevor Penning's there? Are you trying to trade back? Is that enough for you to stay put and take him and make him your right tackle of the future? Or what are you going to do? My stance on Trevor Penning has not changed. It's the fact that I love his tenacity and his physical you know, nature and the way he plays the position. But he has a lot of trouble with the inside moves and, and the quickness that he's going to experience at the NFL level. So I just don't feel comfortable taking him at 17 with the intention of making him my starting right tackle. I'm just not comfortable with that. So with that being said, if it's an elite corner that's there, like an Andrew Booth Jr., then I'm jumping all over it and I'm taking it absolutely. But if he's not there, then I'm probably looking at trading back and trying to acquire that second round pick because the fact of the matter is there are several things that need to be addressed. The Chargers just don't have one major hole. Well, and then the other position is wide receiver, right? So it's like I think if you had, if you see the Chargers go get a Riley Reef, right? If you see him get a Daryl Williams or someone like that, a stopgap, yeah. and then fill in an Odea Bushi at guard, then you feel really good about taking a wide receiver in the first yeah. round, right? Because it's like you just take the best player available, and there's a good chance whoever is there at 17, a wide receiver might be the most talented player 
at yeah. that slot. So I think that's the other kind of curveball. Trevor Penning, I like. I mean, I do think he can develop into a starting right tackle in the NFL. I love the physicality. I love the nastiness like David was talking about. I think he can definitely develop, you know, into working on those inside moves and maybe the step up in talent because he does come from northern Iowa is going to be too much for him. But I, I like his chances of becoming a reliable starter. It's just you're throwing him into the fire right now. Like you draft him at 17. You want an impact player who's going to play this season. And you're throwing this dude into a Wolves den that has all the dudes the AFC West has. You're going to go up against Randy Gregory and, uh, you know, and Bradley Chubb and Max Prosby and Chandler Jones. Like no rookie should have to do that. And I don't want to ruin a rookie, <laughs> as, you know, in year one by just throwing him to those dudes because Max Prosby lands up on that side a lot. The, you know, Broncos guys, they're going to move around. Those are both tough matchups. And they have the the NFC West on their schedule as well this year, too. So you're getting the Los Angeles Rams defensive line and you're getting the defensive line from the 49ers. Like a lot of very scary dudes. So and I just I mainly don't want the Chargers to have to feel like they have to take that dude at 17 and potentially exactly. reach on someone. I would trade back in that situation if I could. But wide receiver is always tempting. The more complete the roster gets and free agency isn't over and if anything else happens we will be your best place to go to find out about it because we love these big moves the Chargers have been making and we love getting it to you guys we'd love to do another early show if they can make another big signing i know there's only so many left we're probably done seeing the splashes but the Chargers still have a chance even with the billy turner signing you know right before we were recording this on thursday there's still guys out there that can help so if they do make any moves you know we back you with you guys with the biggest news and we'll be back here on monday with Mock Draft Monday, because free agency is definitely into the later stages. So on Mock Draft Monday, we're doing a two-round mock covering rounds one through three. The Chargers only have two picks, so it's all very confusing. But we're getting into some picks at 17 and some third-round picks on Monday for the first time. So to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel or follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or you can go to both on YouTube and on the podcast platforms. I know some people like that, you know, when they're home, they can watch on YouTube when they're on the go, they can hit us up on the podcast and we're at all the biggest podcast distributors. You can follow us or subscribe to us there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dan talk sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. You can always hit us up at locked on LAC on Twitter. If you guys want to get on the next fan mail Friday show, make sure to hit up three, two, three, five, two, four, seven, nine, two, four to get onto the lockdown charge voicemail line and leave a question around 30 to 45 seconds would you know give you the best chance to get on the show but with mock draft monday coming up if you guys want to get the latest draft news make sure to hit up the lockdown nfl draft podcast with former nfl player eric crocker and ryan tracy you guys can get on there and get up to date with the latest going on and the latest mock drafts and what they're thinking about some of these prospects coming up but that is going to do it for us today make sure you're back with us for mock draft monday but until then take it easy and go bolts